<laughs> cheery way to open a sermon. Welcome to First Christian. We're going to pass the offering plates again. Just kidding. All right, here's what, here's what I want to start with today. You, um, you hate being lied to, don't you? Don't, isn't that like one of the things when you find out you've been lied to? Doesn't it's, I mean, you know, whether it's your kids or somebody, man, I hate being lied to. You know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes we see things like in the media and advertising, false advertising. You know, sometimes it's like really obvious. Like here are a few examples. Like, um, like when someone's selling wrinkle cream. <laughs> I want... <laughs> I want that. Now, which, is, which side is the uh, after effect? I don't know. But, uh, I, you know, somehow I'm thinking if I put that on, my face is not going to look that different. But I don't know. Here's another example. Um, now, the, you know, you always see the commercial, McDonald's, Big Macs. And, you know, someone actually, they said that they actually fluffed this burger and the cheese up. And this is actually the better angle. But, you know, good and well, when you open the burger, like, I don't know, the other day, where was it? We went to McDonald's, I mean, uh, Dairy Queen right down here. Yeah, Cheryl ordered a chicken sandwich, and on the menu thing, man, the thing was huge. I mean, it was like, this is going to be the best sandwich ever. You know, and then she opens it, and it's like a nugget on a bun. You know, and it was just like, hmm, yay. Okay, next, next example is uh, this car for sale runs well. I'm sure it does. It's kind of hard to see, but how many of you own a car like that? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I pushed it here this morning, but it runs really well when I'm pushing it. Okay. All right, and finally here, like, you know, Hollywood's, Hollywood's lemonade diet. I mean, <laughs> we've all been missing the boat. All we need is a lemonade pill, and we're going to have Hollywood's secret to, you know, I, I'm going to try it at camp this week, the lemonade diet. I'm going to come back and lose like 17 pounds this week. Yeah, lose up to 17 pounds in 14 days. <laughs> okay, good. Man, you know, it's funny when we, I want to know, and, and, and today we talk about false advertising. We talk about things that are put in front of us. And, and, and they're, you know, they're built to be something great. They're built to be something true. And when it gets down to it, we've kind of been lied to. I want to do a little quiz, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I want you to stand up. If you've ever been guilty of, of what I ask, okay? Are you all willing to do this, play this game? A little confession time, right? A little confession time, Jamie? You can, no. Jamie is already, I did the skit two weeks ago. It already got me in trouble. Okay. By the way, Jamie's skit, was that two weeks ago or last week? Was it last week? Whenever at Jamie's skit, that, I was not like actually pulling personal stuff out about Jamie. That was all made up. As far as I know, Jamie, you don't have to confess, but okay. I was just making that so I didn't tell, Jamie, tell me your deepest, darkest secret. Okay. Here we go. How many of you have ever lied about uh, why you were late for work? Stand up if you've ever lied about why you were late for work. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a good number of us. Right. Okay. Now, you can just stay standing if you really think you're going to get a lot of these wrong. Okay. How about this? How about if you've ever lied about how good your spouse looks before going out? <laughs> okay. That, and I, I kid you not, my next question is, how many of you are lying right now? <laughs> Alex, hadn't been nearly long enough, bud. <laughs> All right. How many of you have lied um, when, you're, when you're like at a gas station or driving down the road and you see someone begging for money and you lied about not having any cash? Come on. Come on. I'm not trying to shame you. I just want to know. How many of us have lied about that? Come on. No, I don't have any money. I don't. What are you talking about? That $10 bill? I don't know where that came from. 
How about, um, how many of you have ever lied about why you couldn't make it to somebody's party? <laughs> Come on, think about it. How many of you have ever lied about why you couldn't make it to somebody's party? Okay, we're halfway through, by the way. Okay, how many of you have ever lied about why you didn't complete an assignment or a project on time? <laughs> this week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how many of you have... Um, how many of you have ever lied when you were caught or suspected of gossiping behind somebody's back? And you denied it. How many of you have ever done that? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, how about this one? How many of you have ever lied about why you missed a curfew? Think back to your kid days, your teen days. Where are my kids? Cameron. Yeah, Cameron. <laughs> I did. Well, there are a few of those built in here. They, they confess. It's weird. Okay. Um, how many of you have ever lied in Sunday school about how often you read your Bible? Oh. Mm, yeah. Okay. No, Damien sits down. No, I haven't lied about that. <laughs> I don't read it and I confess. How many, of you have, um, how many of you have lied about your intentions to pay someone back? No, okay, no, maybe not. So if you, okay, good. Hey, okay, y'all can have a seat, Johnson guys. Y'all. It's okay. We'll talk at camp. Okay, we'll work on that. Man, you know, here's the thing, and I didn't do that to shame anybody. I just I wanted to kind of draw us in today to what we're talking about. It was, I mean, let's face it, we've all done it, haven't we? You know, and, and I mean, we're not talking about, you know, covering up a murder here. I mean, but we've all lied about stuff, haven't we? You know, somewhere along the line, we, you know, I, I want to know how many of you are the kind that you just can't get away with a lie? You get caught every time. How many, raise your hand if you're one of those people. <laughs> how many of you are pretty good at lying? Yeah, oh, okay, <laughs> keep an eye. You know, and, and, and I mean, everybody, you know, some of us just have that poker face. And it's just like, you know, you have those people that just can lie straight to your face and never crack a smile or look the other way or whatever. And then you got other people who can't get away with it. It's funny. Um, you know, you, we can tell that with our kids. we got four kids. Some of our kids are good at it and some aren't. We won't tell you which ones. But, <laughs> but we kind of know. You know, the thing is, um, we've convinced ourselves, and, and I want to kind of get into this, and I think, you know, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're kind of at this place here in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about letting your yes be yes and your no be no. He talks about your, your word and, and your oath and, and, uh, and, and just who you are as a person and whether that word is valid and, and good. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes we've convinced ourselves that there are times when lying is actually good. You know, we've actually convinced ourselves that there are times when lying is justified. And, uh, when, and, and sometimes I think we even believe it's absolutely necessary. And uh, there are some general philosophies that a lot of us use to justify lying. You know, like, for instance, you know, we'll lie when, um, you know, when the cop asks us how fast we're going. I mean, who's going to tell the cop how fast they were going? I was going 85, you know. <laughs> no, please give me a ticket. You know, or, or when your wife asks you if her outfit, outfit makes her look fat or if you like her new haircut or something. I mean, you know, you're not... You know, there are times when we convince ourselves, you know, we can justify those kind of lies, can't we? When your friends ask you why you didn't make it to their party last week, and I mean, we don't want to just be mean. We don't want to hurt people's feelings, right? You know, we can joke about it. 
and we can kind of laugh about it. And, and I think we could probably all, if we started digging around, start thinking about, well, yeah, okay, I'll lie about that. But I mean, what's the big deal? It's not that hurtful. But there's a, a truth I want you to think about this morning. We've become a culture that does not trust anything or anyone for any reason. Do you think that's true? We have become a culture that does not trust anything or anyone for any reason. Why? Because to be honest with you, most of us assume that we're being lied to most of the time. Why do we assume that? It's because we know we probably would be lying too in their shoes. You know, I, I see it even in the church. Not just our church, any church. I see it among Christians. We don't even really trust each other all that much. You know, we, we won't confess our struggles and our sins before each other because we know what is said in the small group probably won't stay in the small group, right? We won't let people get too close because we don't want anyone to see too much of who we really are. We won't share our temptations and our weaknesses because we assume that they're going to at some point in the future be used against us. Have you experienced that? Does that keep you maybe from being totally transparent, even in the church, even in small group settings? You know, today I want to talk to you, and I don't want to come across as saying, oh, well, everything that comes into your mind, you should just say out loud, and that we should just say whatever we're thinking, and regardless of how it might make other people feel, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you got to tell your wife exactly how you think she looks on a bad day. But I do want to talk about how being a person of integrity and how being a child of God means that we must learn to be honest and trustworthy people. When we speak, we need people to know that what we say is true. Here's why. If we want them to believe us, if we want them to believe the important things, then we've got to be honest with the little things. Think about that. If we want people to believe the important things that we want to share with them, then we've got to be honest with the little things. Whether we're talking about raising our kids, whether we're talking about sharing Christ with a neighbor, whether we're talking about trying to earn trust with a coworker or even our boss, if we want them to believe the important things we say, they've got to be able to look and know that we have been honest with the little things. And I know, and one thing I really, as I wrote this sermon, I was really kind of hesitant as I was going through going, man, I don't want to come across as being legalistic and, 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 and ticky-tack about every little thing and, and making a bigger deal out of things than they should be, but as I kept studying and as I kept preparing and as I kept praying about it and thinking about it, I just couldn't get away from, from the conviction that if we're not honest with little things that don't seem important, we're never going to be trusted with the big stuff. You know? I think that's why Jesus talked about it here at this point in the Sermon on the Mount. Turn with me to Matthew 5, 33 to 37, and let's read this. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand this truth, and he wanted them to take it to heart. Look at what he says. I'm going to read it from the NIV first, and then I want to read it from the message. I want to see these two different perspectives on it. It says this, Again, 
You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven or by God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, let's look at it. That, that, we'll go a little deeper into, into what Jesus is talking about here. But let, let's look at the message and how Jesus says it and how Eugene Peterson's interpretation of this passage, how it came across. It says this. It says, and don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk, saying, I'll pray for you, and never doing it or saying it. God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace and making your speech sound more religious. It becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. Now, I'm not drawing this out to be political, but we all remember back in the 90s when um, President Bill Clinton was impeached. Now, a lot of people will say, what was he impeached for? Well, he had an affair with Monica Lewinsky. Well, no, that's not why he was impeached. He was impeached because he was accused of lying under oath, uh, obstruction of justice. And so in his trial, he made a statement. And the statement, I want to read it. I don't want to get it wrong. He made a statement under oath. Uh, he said this. Um, when questioned about having an affair with Monica Lewinsky, he said, there's nothing going on between us. That was the phrase that they were using to impeach him. When he said, there's nothing going on between us. And they wanted to, to take him down. Well, he made a statement when he was being questioned in his impeachment hearings that his statement was actually true. Even though he had had an affair with Monica Lewinsky, he was not having one at the time. He said, it all depends on what the definition of is is. Remember that? And everybody kind of jumped on that and made a lot of fun of it. And like I said, I'm not here to debate whether he was guilty or not or should have been punished or not. All I'm simply saying is, isn't it interesting when we get to a place in our society where we're parsing the word is instead of being completely honest with each other? When our legal system can be based on whether or not the word is was used in the right way or not instead of looking at the facts of the case. And I wonder how many times we do this in our own life. I wonder what kind of impact that whole trial, that whole situation with Bill Clinton had on our society as a whole. When people started looking and saying, well, it doesn't really matter whether I'm guilty or not. It only matters whether I can talk my way out of it. It only matters whether I can twist the words enough to get out of this mess. And I wonder how many of each of us approach each and every day of our life in that way. Approach situations where things might be uncomfortable. And approach situations where maybe somebody uh, wouldn't understand or we're afraid that they would be angry. We're afraid of the consequences of what we might face. You see, what we're talking about today and what Jesus is referring to here in Matthew chapter 9 is actually the ninth commandment given in Exodus chapter 20. The commandment that says you should not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not lie, might be another translation. Exodus 19, 
11 and 12, just to go through some parts of the old Mosaic law that talks about this. It says, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another, do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Later, Numbers 3.20 says this, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. The only reason I ring those up the only reason I bring the Old Testament part up is that's what Jesus is referring to. He's referring back to these passages. And he's saying, look, you guys have taken what was said back in the Old Testament, what was part of the law, and it was there for a reason, for a very good reason. And God intended for it to be there, and he intends for us not to lie and to give false testimony. But what you've done is you've begun parsing words. What you've begun to do is instead of worrying about whether you're actually lying or not, you're twisting words and you're trying to stay out of trouble. And, and, and you've, you've kind of sugar-coated what, what defines a lie and what isn't. And what looks like a little white line, what doesn't. So today, what I want to do is just spend a couple minutes looking at the heart behind you shall not lie. As we've done every week, as we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount, I want to take a look at the heart behind it. This is what Jesus was trying to communicate to people as we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount. He was saying, what's the heart behind the law? What's the heart behind thou shalt not murder? What was the heart behind thou shalt not commit adultery? He was always talking about relationships, not the letter of the law. What he was trying to say was, I want you to be more concerned about loving people not the legalism and the letter of the law and whether or not you can twist it to fit your purposes or not. I want you to think about the other person. I want you to think about people. And you know what? We all hate to be lied to. And so I want to kind of, you know, we, we showed the video of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. That's found in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And most of you know the story well enough, but, you know, it's, it's a story like they said up there on the screen. It's a story where this man and woman were watching. Everybody was selling property and bringing money. It was the beginning of the church, and everyone was just excited, and they were on fire. And, and they were, people would sell property and bring all the money because they knew they were going to be taken care of. And they knew that they were going to take care of each other. And they were, just, they were trusting God, and, and they were wanting to build this community and give the money to the church so the church could to build the ministry it was doing in the community. And Ananias and Sapphira decided, you know, we're going to sell this property uh, but we're going to hold back a little bit for ourselves. But, I mean, these selfish people, they don't need to know all that. They bring the money in that they get from selling the property, not all of it. But they set a good amount of it, I imagine, in front of Peter. And they said, this is, this is for the church. And Peter just asked them, is this, is this all the money? And it's not that, you know, and this is where it's interesting. You know, it's not that there was this expectation that they had to do that. The fact is they stood there and they just said that, that yeah, that's it. That's all the money. They lied about it. Yeah, that's all the money. Peter knew. You know when someone's lying to you, don't you? Generally. Maybe not every time. You know someone who, who's not truthful. We can just tell. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, but eventually you pick up on the pattern. But eventually you, you see the signs, and you know that someone's not being honest with you. And of course, we all know that Ananias drops dead because of the Holy Spirit. Making a point here, and I think it, the point was received. Everyone around them was struck with fear. And his wife comes in three hours later, had no idea what had happened. Peter asked her, is this all the money? Yes, it is. Boom. Bury her right next to her husband. It's kind of a scary passage, isn't it? Especially considering it's in the New Testament, not the Old. We always want to write this, oh, that was the Old Testament. God doesn't do that anymore. Oh, yeah? Read Acts 5. 
And so as we look at this, I want to talk about the heart behind you shall not lie. I want to look at three areas of lying that, that I think we commonly do, that we've kind of convinced ourselves in one way or another is okay, or maybe we're just not aware of that we're even doing it. But I want to draw your thoughts to it, not because I want to be legalistic and, and ticky-tack about, are you doing this, are you doing that, and, and picking it apart. I just want you to be able to examine, am I lying? Am I a person of truth? And I just want you to be able to examine this in your own heart. Let's look at this first one. Lying to mislead others equals hypocrisy. Lying to mislead others. When, and, and, and these words that I put out beside the equal sign is, is just kind of an interpretation of what that means. When I'm lying to mislead others, that makes me a hypocrite. That, that, that destroys everything I'm trying to accomplish and communicate. You know, we all know what it's like to lie to others on one level or another. You know, we make up a story about why the payment's late. We, we blame being late on traffic when we actually left the house 15 minutes late. Sometimes our lies to others are bigger than that. We don't know how the window got broken. We're not sure why the internet history is erased. We're not sure how the neighbor's dog that barks all night long got loose and is running in the middle of the street. You know, I wonder what our motivations are for lying to others. I think that's an important question. Why do we lie to others? We do it to avoid the consequences of something that we've done to stay out of trouble. That's sometimes our motivation. Sometimes we do it to avoid looking irresponsible in front of others. Sometimes we do it to keep from hurting somebody else's feelings. Oh, wait, there's a good one, right? Sometimes we do it to make ourselves look better. These just... Name a few of our motivations. You know, and we've talked a little bit already about those little white lies, those, those lies that are harmless and, and sometimes even seem like they're good. You know those kind of lies where we say things like, oh, what they don't know won't hurt them. Or, uh, you know, there's no point in upsetting them. And, uh, and the other one that's like, well, it's really none of their business anyway. You know, we've used these before, haven't we? And... Again, I'm not here to pick on anything and to say, oh, well, this is okay to lie about, this isn't. What I simply want you to do is to think about this. When we're talking about being a person that's trustworthy, we need to look at Ephesians 4, 5. That's one passage that comes to my mind a lot because it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He's talking to the church. That isn't really a passage for an individual. He's writing to a church, the church in Ephesus. He's saying, listen, church, if, if you're going to become the church that trusts each other and depends on each other, you've got to learn to speak the truth in love. Now, sometimes that means keeping your mouth shut instead of hurting somebody. But there's no room for lying. When did we become so okay with lying to keep from hurting someone's feelings? When did it stop being enough to follow mama's advice and say, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all? When did that, when did that quit being a thing? I think it's important that we learn that if we're going to learn to trust each other in the church and in our culture, we've got to be truth tellers. We've got to be people that there's no question that we're speaking the truth. The consequences, the consequences of lying to others 
as I thought about this and prayed about it, I kind of came up with three ways that this really does damage to us when we lie to others. First of all, there's the stress and the effort of covering things up. Isn't that the worst? When 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 you lied and then you all of a sudden have to come up with another lie to cover the first lie. Or when you have to worry about whether somebody's going to find out. Or all of a sudden you realize somebody knows the truth. Hmm. That's terrible. A second consequence of lying is, to others is this. There's the undermining of a relationship. Whether they find out or not, there's an undermining of that relationship. Whether it's with a friend or a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or a boss or a neighbor. It's an undermining of that relationship. Even if they never find out about the lie, something has been taken away because you were willing to cross a line to lie to them for one reason or another. The third consequence is this. There's a loss of credibility and trust. You know, you might, like I said a minute ago, you might get away with it once or twice, but people know what a liar looks like and sounds like. They see the pattern in your life. Here's the question to think about as we talk about whether or not you're someone who comfortably and easily lies to others. What are your children learning from you when they hear you twist the truth or lie and they know the truth? What are they learning? Even if it's not a big deal, even if it's just something stupid about why you're late. What are your children learning about how important the truth is when they hear that from you? How can you be an ambassador for Christ When the people you interact with see you as someone who is not always truthful. How can you stand up and proclaim to be an ambassador of Christ when they're saying, but just last week I know you were not being truthful with me, even with something small. And trying to reach someone who's not a follower of Jesus, how can you expect them to believe your version of the truth when they see you twisting it in your life each day? You know, Jesus goes on to talk about oaths here. He said, don't take an oath. Don't, don't swear an oath. And, 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 and I want you to understand, too, and, and Jesus uses a device called hyperbole in several places here in the Sermon on the Mount. Like last week, we talked about how he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And how Jesus isn't talking about self-mutilation here. He was talking about an example of, of doing whatever it takes to be aware of and to deal with sin in your life. Likewise here, he's not saying don't ever make a promise. He's not saying don't ever sign a contract. What he's saying is you need to be a person whose word is so honest and trustworthy. You need to be the kind of person that when people know you're speaking, that you are speaking the truth because there's no way it is in you to lie because they've never seen you do it before. You need to be the kind of person that when you say yes, it's yes. And when you say no, it's no. If we want people to trust us, that's the kind of people we be. And someone who's willing to lie about something small, about why they're late, about why they couldn't come over last night, is willing to lie about anything. And I'm afraid, I, and I'm talking about this knowing I'm guilty of it too, and it's something I know I need to check in my own life. I don't want to be the kind of person that, that it's able to be said about them. You know how they know they're lying? Their lips are moving. I wonder how many of us, even though we laugh about it, I wonder how many of us there's some truth behind it. Let's move on. Another way that we lie in our daily lives, and I think we've convinced ourselves it's okay, is we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. This is called denial. Denial is not a river. Okay. 
Have you ever told your something that wasn't true so many times that you began to actually believe it was true? Have you done that? Let me give you a few examples. I can stop anytime I want. What about this one? You know what? This isn't really hurting anybody else. How about this lie? Um, you know, nobody else notices or really even cares. Or one of my favorites, I'll start my diet tomorrow. <laughs> you know, what are some motivations of lying to ourselves? You know, sometimes we lie to avoid facing we, we, to, to face a major weakness or a reality in our life that's not so good. Sometimes we lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better about who we are and what we're doing. Sometimes we lie to ourselves to avoid having to take action or to correct problems in our lives. Have you experienced this in your own life? You're lying to yourself when you do that. Psalm fifteen twelve. I just love the psalm and, and how it expresses truth. It says, one who walks is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. You know, I wonder when we're lying to ourselves what that says about our heart. Is it in our heart to be a truth teller? Is it in our heart to be the kind of person that's trustworthy no matter what we say? You see what happens when we lie to ourselves? We never take the steps needed to correct the problems. We never take the steps to overcome sin through repentance. We never take the steps needed to improve our situation. People notice when we lie to ourselves, but you know what? They're not going to say anything about it most of the time. You know why? Because they don't want to get called judgmental. You see, when we lie to ourselves, it reflects a lack of discipline in our own life as followers of Jesus. It's usually a sign of the condition of our spiritual lives as well. Are you willing to lie to yourself? Are you lying to yourself to avoid having to make some changes and corrections? I think a lot of us do that. And I think it definitely applies under what Jesus is trying to share with us here today. The third thing I want to talk to you today, too, about this is lying to mislead God. It's impossible. But we do it anyway, don't we? Trying, lying to mislead God is another way that, that I think Jesus would have wanted us to understand this. Have you ever tried to lie to God? Maybe here's some examples to help you see if you have. You ever said, I promise I will never do that again. You ever said, God, if you help me out of this situation, I promise I will get things right. I'll go to church every week after this. You know, we've done that, haven't we? Or, God, it's not my fault. That's a favorite, isn't it? God, I commit to giving more. I commit to serving more. God, I commit to, to loving people more in my life to bring you honor and glory. You know, a lot of times we're temporarily convicted of our sin, but if we sleep on it, sometimes that conviction goes away. You ever have that situation where you feel, you know, today is the day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this diet going. I'm going to start, you know, this is the week. I'm going to church this week. And you wake up Sunday morning, and somehow Sunday morning the conviction's just not as strong. You ever notice that? You know, somehow at lunchtime when you're hungry, the conviction to go on that diet's just not as strong. We've been there, right? Man, 
I think those are some of the motivations. Is sometimes it's just those things go away. Why else do we lie to God? You know, our promises to God seem real when we're in the moment. But then later on, after we spend some time thinking about it, they seem extreme. In one moment, we're listening to and following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the next moment, we're distracted and following our own desires again. We take our eyes off him. And suddenly, those commitments kind of fade away. And we're in a situation where we made a promise, a commitment. And we're not doing it. Luke 16, 15. Jesus says this. He says, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Psalm 44, 21 and 22 says this, if, if we had forgotten the name of our God or, or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of our heart? In other words, we lie to God and, and we tell him all these things, but at the end of the day, he already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what your intention is. And I think about what it does to me when I lie to God, what it does to you when you lie to God in this way. Understand this. God takes our commitments and our pledges to him seriously. He knows your heart. He wants you to be the person on the inside that you want everyone else to think that you are on the outside. God sees in there, and he's saying, you put this image out there in front of people, and you want people to see you this way. I want you to actually be that way on the inside. I want you to actually want to be a truth teller all the time, no matter what. Why? Because Jesus has called us out to be his ambassadors in this world. We represent him when we speak. We are reflection of him in the way that we are perceived by others. How can we expect people to believe our message about Christ if they can't even trust that we're being honest with the little things in our life? Today, the message really is simple. Make it your mission to be a person of integrity and truth. Stop with the little white lies. Stop trying to innocently cover up your mistakes. I want to ask you, and I'm going to put this up on the screen. It's in your bulletin as well. It's a pledge. And I'm just wondering if you're willing to make this a pledge and a prayer for yourself between you and God. And remember, he takes these things seriously. It says this, I pledge to tell the truth all the time, no matter what. Or I'm not going to say anything at all. Can you start to do that? Can you just examine where maybe lying has become a little too easy and comfortable in your life and start saying, it's time to make a fresh start. It's time for me to turn this around and say, I'm going to be a person of truth or I'm just not going to say anything at all. But I want people to know when words come out of my mouth that my yes is yes and my no is no. And what I say is true. And that way when I try to present the gospel to them, they know it's true. That way, when I try to raise my kids to be truth-tellers, they can look at me and say, you know what? Yeah, you do tell the truth, even when it's uncomfortable, even when there might be consequences. Can you be a person that takes this pledge? Will you be? Next week, we're going to finish up chapter 5 of Matthew. We're going to spend a little time talking about uh, how to love your enemies. This will be a fun one.
But for today, we're going to close up our time together this morning. And we're going to sing a song. It's, it's our commitment song. It's our time of decision. It's, if there's anything that God's laying on your heart through this message today, if there's some things you need to confess between you and him, you don't have to stand up here and tell all of us. But take it to him. God, I know I haven't been a truth teller. I want to be. Please convict me. Help me live by this pledge. Maybe, maybe he's dealing with you on something else. Maybe you want prayer. We'll have a couple of prayer partners up here in the front if there's somebody you want to pray about, something you need to pray about. If there's a decision you're thinking about making, maybe you've never given your life to Christ before and you're just thinking about that and you want to know, what do I need to do next? Come up here and talk to somebody. We'll talk about that. We'll have that conversation. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, I've been coming to this church. I've been visiting for a while. I want to make this church my family. I want to make them my home. You want to know, how do I do that? How do I become a member of First Christian Church? Come up and we'll, we'll talk to you about that this morning. You can come forward or you can talk to me after the service. But use this song. Use it as a time to say, God, I, I want to get right with you. I want your message to burn into my heart and to change me from the inside out. Don't let the next five minutes or so pass and pretend like they never happened. God's Spirit speaking to you and dealing with you in some way this morning. Pray about it. Deal with it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our opportunity this morning to, to worship you in this place, to, uh, to, to sing songs and to, to, to take communion and remember your, your death, burial, and resurrection on the cross for us and your broken body, your spilled blood. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have just to be in fellowship with one another. But more than anything else, God, we thank you for your word and your spirit that speaks to us through it. And God, I pray that this morning, this whole concept of, of truth and lies, this, this whole idea that we need to be people, that when we say it, it is true and we do mean it so that we can be your ambassadors, your representatives in this world. God, I pray that you'll deal with us. God, if there's anybody in this room who has a decision, a, a commitment, a, a correction to make in their lives, God, I pray they won't leave here without doing it. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and our opportunity to overcome our failures. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.